Hey, everybody. Hope you all are doing all right out there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Interviews with Chris. This is your host, Chris Tryon. This episode features Ryan Rotaisky of Fuzzrocious Pedals, an effects pedal company that is family-owned and operated. And when I mean family, I mean it in every sense of the word. His wife, Shannon, does the art for the pedals, and she does absolutely spectacular work. I own a couple of Fuzzrocious pedals, and I love them. I did a custom commission on a pedal over 10 years ago or so, in 2009, and it's been a mainstay on my pedal board. Ryan also has his kids helping out with the kid-painted pedals, and that is just super cool. What a neat way of intertwining music, art and illustration, and just being a unified family unit. Like I've mentioned before, conversations on this podcast are rooted in talking with creators and the creation process regardless of what medium somebody is taking part in. In this case, it's a soldering iron with a PCB and resistors and foot switches and all of the other innards in an effects pedal. But we talk about many other topics, lighthearted and heavy alike. I learned so much more about Ryan after having our talk. Such a cool guy, extremely talented with an absolute wealth of knowledge that extends beyond pedal building, and I'm so glad I'm able to share it with you all. Here's my conversation with him. Enjoy. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Hey man, what's up? Not much, just uh, doing great here. I've had my morning coffee and I'm ready to go. I know you're a busy guy, so thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Dude, I'm, I'm glad we were we were talking a little bit earlier. Like I'm, I'm a morning person, so this is uh, perfect for me. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. But obviously, I know that pedal building is what you do. I own some of your pedals, we go way back here, but what's going on in your world right now? Um, there's a pandemic going on. Uh, <laughs> that's my world. Uh, it is full of anxiety and stress and manic feelings, but the goods are good, the bads are bad. I'm staying as busy as I can with work. I've got you know just projects kind of lined up and you know the, the next four or five pedals are all kind of planned out and just trying to stay busy and try and be positive because I'm generally a, a negative person. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Got it. And you're definitely building lots of crooks, I'm guessing, right? To those that don't know what a croak is, it's Fuzz Rocious's expressive double filter fuzz pedal that came out in April. It sounds awesome. You know, it could be kind of, you know, thumpy and kind of funky but still super aggressive and i've definitely watched the videos and it's a super cool pedal thank you yeah um it's definitely been one of the more exciting things for us to build and to be to have like all cars out on the table the the whole covid pandemic thing really put a major 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 damper on our croak production we had a really good launch we were very unsure about whether to even like put it out during April 
as we were still trying to figure out what this pandemic was, our dealers were, many of them had just like closed their doors and we didn't know whether it was a good idea, but you know, after we kind of weighed everything out and we talked to all of our dealers, we still launched and it was a decent launch. I have been building a lot of them, but the pandemic caused a major part snafu coming over from overseas. And we've just kind of been like sitting here, like had all these boards and we're just missing like the one part that makes Croke do its thing. And uh, thankfully yesterday we actually just got a shipment. I've been scrambling for it. So production is back online finally. And it's a major stress relief right now, but yeah, man, we're pushing croaks out and it's, it's hard though. Trying, trying to find a, a really good audience for a weird pedal. So I, I hope, uh, I hope your listeners kind of take a, a second glance or a first glance at this thing so they can, see what Croak is all about and think about like what they could create with this. Well, I think it even just shows your diversity as a pedal maker as well. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. And even as a consumer, I definitely don't know all of the particular parts on a pedal. I've built a couple of clones myself, but to even think like you, how you're saying with the Croak, there's that one piece that's missing. And I could only imagine how frustrating that is. It's like a, a rat without the LM308 chip or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and, the, and that main part, it's called a Vactrol. It's essentially a light-dependent resistor and an LED. They're all wrapped together. And it's not something, the way this specific one is made, I can't just make it myself. It, if it was another type of Vactrol, I might be able to. But this part it's like very specific. It's technically like an out of production kind of thing. And it's really expensive. It's more expensive than like the enclosure, you know, it's a, uh, so yeah, fr- frustration station. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got that particular part in, but something I've always wondered is what would you say is the most consuming part of running an effects pedal company? Is it mainly building the pedals or is it the logistics? I mean, I have no idea. I've built a couple of pedals, you know, in my lifetime so far, but I have no idea how many you crank out a day or how you separate time out for repairs versus custom orders or to even come up, you know, with a new design for a pedal. Yeah, I mean, the, the most time consuming, see, it's, and it's hard because, I mean, I'm essentially a one man show. I mean, my wife, she donates her time to do the painting. That's a very small portion of what we do. So I essentially do everything else. Um, I, I have an intern that helps put some boards together, but when it comes to sourcing the parts, you know, ordering the parts, sorting them, putting them in, soldering, internet, every single part is on me. So I mean, all of it's just generally time consuming. But if I had to say that, like, there was one that was maybe takes up the most of my day, I guess it would just be just keeping up on the emails and the internet part of it. But it's, that's not a complete... You're the customer service. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that it's unenjoyable to do that because there's a ton of not enjoyable stuff about internet. But getting to interact with people and, and make people happy and, and just be there and supportive for them is... that's a It's a good like endorphin bump you know, for my brain. But uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, drilling. Drilling sucks. Putting, putting, <laughs> putting the, all the hardware in, you know, when you're making like 20 pedals... You know, you're doing like them just kind of in a batch and you're doing it. That's really time consuming, especially with drilling where we have to let our, our drill press kind of cool down for, you know, a few minutes here and there. Uh, yeah, it's annoying. Interesting. And your family is involved in the 
pedal building process. Well, not pedal building, but as far as actually painting, I'll just say the, the overall process. But specifically as painters, I know yeah. that your wife, Shannon, has a background in art, specifically with a fine arts degree. How did their involvement all come about? You know, I know that as far as you've stated that, you know, Shannon is a very talented artist and you wanted to kind of intertwine her into the into the process, but it's a full full family operated business. Yeah, I mean, if you're going back to like the beginning of it, like the first pedal that I made that was like just for myself, I was like, oh, like, you know, Shannon, like, you know, ZVEX, uh, another another pedal company that was there, one of the big boutiques. I was like, Shannon, they hand paint their pedals. You know, would, would you want to paint this for me? She's like, sure. So well, what am I going to call it? Well, we'll call it this. Okay, boom. She paints it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to build another one. Can you, you know, what do you want to paint on this one? So she, you know, we go ahead and do that. And then, you know, it, it just kind of snowballs from there where she just like, oh, I, I like doing this. And like all our friends were ordering pedals. And so she's painting that. So it just kind of, it snowballed from there. Then when you fast forward to about two years after that, after we just kind of got it started, like making kits and stuff and she was painting, our son was two and we're like, oh, like, you know, let's see if he wants to paint on this. And he did. I mean, it's, he, he didn't really understand what he was doing, but we just had a paint on it and he had fun and it was expressive and cool. So that's kind of where it started and people took to it right away and were like, oh, like, especially the UK, like for some reason they're like, they're all about like the whole family kid painting thing. And yeah. And then our daughter was born and when she was old enough to hold a paintbrush, we put a paintbrush in her hands and she did it too. And here we are, they're nine and 12 now and they're still painting petals and taking more time to do it it's it's uh and they all they'll just donate their time you know obviously when the when the sale comes in or whatever you know that the money that we make with fuzz roaches it just goes back to the family so we're you know when, when the kids want to get you know like a razor scooter it's like okay we're gonna get that razor scooter because you guys have donated some time and here's a reward that's awesome and man when you just told me your um uh, children's ages the time flies. Yeah. I remember when I got my first pedal from like 2009, uh, Tremorslo, um, yeah. pe pedal and wow, time, time flies. But I even, even then I remember you once telling me that, you know, in the beginning when Shannon was painting the pedals, he used to use a toaster to bake the paint on. We still do. Um, you still do. Okay. Um, uh, please tell me you're not using the same toaster to toast some English muffins, right? <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we do separate our ovens. We have, we have, we have a little, little toaster oven down in, in her workspace. And yeah, so if it's uh, something that is kid painted with acrylic paint or she works in acrylics, we bake it at 150 degrees for 30 minutes and it seals all the paint in. And uh, if, if we, she does enamel, we don't do that because it, for us, we found it kind of cracks the paint. Awesome. Interesting. And as far as your kids go, they all seem to enjoy the process. At least all the photos seem to show that they're happy, you know, well, so that's super yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they're better with it now. There, there's definitely been some pretty big valleys where they're just like, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, but I, we had them take place, at, uh, take participation in an art show that we set up here in Philly. And they came to that and they weren't stoked. You know, we, we got all dressed up and everything, but like, they just, they were not interested in doing it. But now I think they're, uh, you know, they think we're internet famous. So they like, they like some <laughs> of that notoriety. <laughs> That's awesome. I think even, 
you know, growing up later down the line, that is just such a cool thing. Do you, does your um your oldest, your son, does he like also jam out to the same music you like listening to or how I mean, I'm not a dad and you know, I'm at this point I believe you said 12 years old. Yeah. Does do you guys kind of listen to the same thing in the shop or how does that what do you guys listen to? I am mainly a podcast person. My brain kind of wanders a bit and it goes to negative places. I find that just having somebody yapping in my ear all day, just having talking is is a very calming, soothing thing for me. So that really carries out to most of my day. And then when I'm in the car, at this point in my life, I kind of just put the radio on just so it's kind of like kind of whatever. Uh, so he really listens to like his favorite bands right now. Like he still loves Fall Out Boy is still his favorite band. And... He loves the Aquabats and things. So there, there's a lot of crossover in the stuff that we like to listen to, but we don't push the kids too hard about what they you know can or can't listen to. Our daughter listens to uh, a local station called B101, which is like, it plays all the hits from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. So it'll be like One Direction, and she's jamming to that, and then it'll be Journey, and she's <laughs> jamming to that. So uh, we're kind of all over the place. We don't give them any like punk rock guilt about not listening to stuff, but it, but it is funny when like, when they have friends over and they put music on and their friends don't know, like, you know, my daughter will put on like birdie doll or something, or she'll put on like rancid and the kids, you know, kids in the neighborhood, like they just, they don't know what that is. And, and that's okay. But uh, yeah, there's, we definitely do listen to like, quote unquote, like heavier music or punkier music altogether. There's a lot of ska and rotation. Awesome. And kind of dialing it back time-wise for yourself what was the first pedal you personally ever owned a well if you're going all the way back technically the first one i ever owned would be a boss dd3 and i used it on vocals for a ska punk band that i was in i use a little bit of the delay function but you mostly use the loop function so like it would just you know you just get one phrase and just like repeat the phrase or whatever and it was, that was heavily influenced by a band called Vision of Disorder, an old like Long Island hardcore uh, thing, and Deftones in a ska punk band. But then uh, when you get into my actual like like when I started playing bass and stuff, again I went and bought a DD3 because I'm like, oh, I know what this thing does, and uh, <laughs> and a Sansamp, the Sansamp like three programmable uh, things because I just I didn't know any better, and they're really you know boutique wasn't a big thing i guess you know back in like 2004 or so or 2005 whatever it was 2006 um yeah yeah mine was a boss os2 that's like an overdrive distortion and then an yeah. electro harmonics baseballs pedal because of the song sir psycho sexy by the red hot Ooh. chili pepper stuff so no, filter only. though yeah yeah and it, it's kind of funny i mean I uh, don't have either of those pedals anymore, but I could clearly remember them and just the excitement of, you know, hearing what they did when I first got them. But what inspired you to start making pedals? I mean, I know that you started building general guitar gadget clones and then exploring modding pedals like doing Big Muff Pie mods. But what kept you hungry as far as building? Was it that you were after a particular tone? Or was it the actual building process that you mainly enjoyed? It was. The, it's the building process and, and dealing with people. When we started doing the kits, you know, it was like you said, it was it was a glorified kit building process, and it was about a year and a half in when we started like 
doing stuff on Vero board and stuff. It was kind of just an evolution. And when we started making them, the fact that like the orders just kind of kept rolling in and we were, there was no shortage of business. It was intoxicating of like, wow, people care about what we're doing. People like don't care that these are kits and we're modding them. And you know, then we went and started doing our gray stash and then the rat tail and the demon. It was exciting because people really cared about what we were doing. So, and it wasn't so much about like a business thing and making money. It was just, it was kind of like a punk rock DIY, like, Oh, like we're still getting to work with like bands and stuff like that, but you know, I'm not touring or doing any of that. And there was definitely sounds in my, in my head of like, well, I, I love the big muff sounds, So obviously I'm going to explore that. But then I really loved, you know, bands like young widows and breather resist and things like that, where it was like, Oh man. Oh, like, great, you know, great just grindy, grind, that grindy bass tone or like Brian, the, Cook, that mid range. You know, that's something yeah. I, I love as far as bass playing wise. Yeah. I, I just love that that grinding mids like mids and low mids um i think we've had conversations on this before i mean that's where i feel it kind of separates you could still stay within those frequencies with the guitars but you could still kind of make your own pathway to standing out a little bit yeah and it doesn't sound you know just that boring you know no trouble low end thump of just like well i'm the bass player standing here like it it makes you makes you stand out just just a little bit in the mix so that's that's kind of where where it was was all kind of going. It's it's a, it's a mixture of all of those things. But you know, so the, the bands that I was listening to at the time are definitely influential. But then there's also that human aspect of like we're getting to to make something for people. And how did you get the name Fuzzrocious? So we needed to find a name that wasn't wasn't that didn't sound like anything else and would be you know just just to be unique uh we had two dogs at the time um one was a hit mix quote unquote so it was american staffordshire terrier he was you know a hundred pounds pit looking dog and while he was really sweet they look ferocious and (laughs) you know and fuzz fuzz is a ferocious sound so we just mesh them together even when i suggested shannon was like i don't know if i like that name like well we're we're going with it like it's ferocious. It's fuzz. It's fuzzrocious. And when you look, like looking back at it, like when we started doing other things, like every time we go to Nam, people are like, "Oh, so these are all fuzz pedals?" And we're like, "Well, no, oh, they're, they're not all fuzz pedals." <laughs> so it's you, know, you, you think now, and you're like, "Oh, maybe we should have picked a different name." But no, I love the name. It, I love it, it. It's unique, and it's I love I love it even more now because I love dogs so much. So I'm glad that I <laughs> that I know about it, but. I may be kind of jumping far into the future here from the inception of when you started the company, but how long after you started modding pedals did it take for you to kind of create an original circuit? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe about five, five years, maybe, maybe somewhere in like the four to six or seven year range. Even if you want to call like something like, like the gray stash or whatever, like when you want to say that they're, you know, it's, it's a modified clone at a certain point, everybody wants to, you know, you can argue this as, as much as you want, but like everything starts from building blocks, you know, a, an op amp can only be used, you know, in so many ways. There's only so many chords on a, on a guitar. Uh, so if you really want to argue in terms of like dirt effects and stuff, like, well, what is an original effect? But I really like to, to look at like when I got a breadboard and I just started throwing stuff on there, I feel like that feels more original, whether you're using building blocks or not. 
if it's something that you're building kind of from the ground up, then it's it's an original thing. Not to say that we haven't still messed around with like taking like clones. Like we just did a pedal with um, the Tone Mob podcast called Typhon. It was a V2, and it's four LPB1 EHX, like the pol- linear just polar cascading boost. into each other. Yeah, and it's yeah. It, it, so that is not something that someone has done in that way. So like in a way it's like an original idea, but it, you know, but it uses those building blocks from something else. But then you go and you take something like our moth and it's, that's like original from the ground up. It's like, Oh, well, how can I use this op amp? Okay. How can I use this power amp? How can I screw with this oscillator circuit? All right, now let's put them together. Well, this is definitely something that no one's done. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the place. Well, kind of even touching on the technicalities of, you know, the particular parts in the pedal, from what I remember, either you telling me or me actually reading online was that your dad was the person who taught you how to use a soldering iron. Did he teach you how to read schematics as well? No, no. He literally just taught me how to solder with like his original soldering iron from like the 70s or 80s, like the one you just plug into the wall. It doesn't have like a whole like unit thing. Uh Learning to read schematics was something that came well after I started doing pedals. Like I said, I was, ju- I was just doing kits. And then I, Veroboard, for anybody that doesn't know, Veroboard Stripboard, it's kind of like a natural evolution from working on kits. And you cut the boards and you create the cuts where you don't want your circuits to touch. That was what helped me learn, like, why, or start to learn, like, why certain parts can't connect with other parts. So, like, you know, that this resistor and this capacitor are connected to the op amp on, you know, on the positive rail of the power. And this is where ground goes and things. And that, that's what helped me learn. So once I started to understand how to use a Vero board strip board, then I was able to start looking at schematics and go, okay, well, this is what it is. Well, here's how I can lay this, lay this schematic out on Vero board to create the sound I want. And then after that, I could write my own schematic and then, you know, send it off to our, you know, our guys to fab up the PCB. That's super interesting. I mean, I've built a couple of pedals myself with the BYOC kits that are available, such as the reverb. And it was such a fun and gratifying experience. I remember building the first pedal I made. It was a reverb pedal. And when it came to the moment of truth to plug it in and give it a go, it did not work. And all I was thinking and all I was thinking about was how I was going to throw this against a tree or maybe I could just have a nice metal box on my desk or on a table to remind me of all my life's failures. But, um, you know, <laughs> I think I wired the the DC connection like improperly and I rewired yeah. it and it worked and it could have been the crappiest sounding pedal ever. But I was just so happy. It was seriously yeah. like one of the best feelings ever. Like it was like better than graduating college or something like that. It just, it felt so great. (laughs) Yes. I know. I know that feeling and I still get that feeling when I plug something in to test it and it works because when something, especially for where I'm at now, after doing this for 12 years, like when something doesn't work and I'm still, I'm still a hack. Like I still don't know everything. So when something doesn't work, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, what is what is the problem? Like, wh- especially with, like, <laughs> with, like with Croak, with something that's newer, and I don't know what that is. Like, it's really, really, really gratifying when something works, and you can go, okay, I did it. Like, I can move on to the next thing. Yeah. And for people that want to get into pedal building, what circuits or builds do you recommend? 
Um, so the really nice thing about, you, you mentioned BYOC, uh, so that's build your own clone. The really nice thing is that the first time you order with them, they send you, what is it called? Uh, not talent booster, um, confidence booster. It's a simple boost, and they, they ask you to build that first. And if you can build that boost first, then you can move on to like your next circuit. I like the idea that they're saying, like, hey, like we want you to, to buy our stuff, but here's something for you to get started. So once you build this, then move on. I think them and, uh, and general guitar gadgets are still like the two really most helpful things out there. A boost is going to be your most simple thing you can do. Second would be uh, something called the Dan Armstrong Green Ringer. It's technically a ring mod, but it's really everybody uses as an analog octave up. After that, then you just get into like your overdrives, like a tube screamer, uh, a fuzz like a big muff. But what I will say is when you get into things with op amps, like like a tube screamer, or you get into things with more than one transistor, like a big muff, to watch the orientation, watch how you're putting everything in so that you don't make dummy mistakes, kind of like triple, quadruple check everything you're doing. Great. And, you know, maybe this is later down the line, but have you ever thought of maybe doing like a fuzzrocious build kit? Uh, we've given them, we've done them for, for some customers before. They are an absolute nightmare. So one, you, <laughs> you, you have to you have to sort all the parts out for that kit, and then you. I didn't even think about it. Out. Yeah, like the organization and yeah, making sure you've got every part. And I think even for those like myself that can't get too far into reading a schematic, you know, you even the instructional thing, you know, like this yes. is what you do. This is what yes. you do next. This is what you do. That could I could imagine that could be. The kind yeah. of like even tougher part about it. <laughs> and the actual, the full on hardest part of it is the troubleshooting afterwards with the customer because, and this is for, even for me, when I was building all those kits, I sent so many emails to general guitar gadgets of like, this isn't working and I can't get this to work. And you have to be able to have the time to finesse customers to help them learn what they've done wrong or figure it out. And that's really, really, really difficult when you're trying to do other things. Like if your only job is doing kits, then that's part of your job or that's someone's job to do. But for me, I'm trying to build pedals and run a business and I just don't have time to troubleshoot with people. And even like when you look at um, Kurt Ballou from God City and Converge, he does GCI and he puts out, you know, he's got kits that he has lined up with Small Bear Electronics. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's, there's, Facebook groups that are just devoted to talking about them and troubleshooting. And luckily Kurt's got some people that help with that piece of it, but it's, you know, it's a job. And for all those people in this Facebook group, it's a job you're not getting paid for. So there's a lot here when it comes to kits, I would love to be able to do that, to offer that, but it's just not. Yeah. If my kids were more involved and they really wanted to sit and sort things, maybe I'd consider it. No, that makes total sense. And yeah, I actually have a couple of GCI builds that I have on the side. And those are a little bit more involved because you actually kind of have to know what you're doing or I would say kind of dive into the deep realm of I don't have a Facebook, but, you know, talking with others and figuring out what to do. But you've stated that you're a bassist first and foremost. Yes. Who inspired you to pick up the bass? Uh, so... The bass was just, it was just the, the easier instrument. My dad had an old guitar, which I still have here in the studio. And I, you know, first of all, I couldn't tune it. 
there was that. But uh, <laughs> it's too many strings and too hard to play. I, I'm a tall guy. I have long fingers. But in terms of like fingering out like the chords and everything, I'm not great at that. And you know, I, I, like I mentioned before, I played like in a ska punk band. The bass has four strings. I liked the sound of the bass, and I found a bass for like a hundred bucks. It was like a, I should. I wish I still had it. It was like a super heavy jazz bass style Ibanez. And I just, I bought it just to have it. And I wanted to play like hardcore with it. And it just kind of sat and sat. And then uh, one of my wife's friends, her husband asked me, he's like, oh, so you got a bass? He's like, you look cool. Want to come play in our band? And I'm like, I've never like played bass. <laughs> and that just made me learn how to play bass. Cause I'm like, well, I just want to be in a band with these guys. Like I'll practice. And that was it. I just picked it up in it. But I think at the end of the day, it's because it's only got four strings. It's easy. I think that's like the attractive thing of like uh, my friend Josh Newton. He plays in a band called Shiner. Uh, we've talked often about it's the tenor guitar that like, I think it's like, I think Nick Cave and like Swans both like they employ those in their bands. It's awesome. Cause like it's yeah. a guitar, but it's only four strings. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think I started because I started, you know, actually playing guitar and um, I don't even remember the exact age. I think I was like in sixth grade or something like that. And then everybody wanted to play the guitar. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of switch it up. And, you know, one bassist actually really influenced me growing up was was Flea. Because I was like, wow, this guy is playing a bass like that. And I've actually never even played a bass like that. I don't, you know, pop and slap the bass. I'm just a, a guy with a pick and just likes to grind into the strings but you know yeah. as i got older joe lally from fugazi was probably my main influence but even then who are some of your favorite bassists currently or maybe just bands where you think the bass is just absolutely ripping um every time i still go back to queens of the stone ages like clockwork uh i think ooh, uh, ooh. mikey's bass on there is so tasty and i know that like they write some of those bass parts. Such a great, just yeah. such a great album. And yeah. he plays in a band called Mini Mansions too, which yes. I played with way back in the day, but amazing tone. Yeah. Uh, it's in Queens. Like they write parts in a very democratic way of like, if someone may have written a bass part, but when you get in the studio, you're like, yeah, but what if we did it like this? And then someone sits down and writes it and okay, that's the new bass part. Like, I really respect that. And I think that's a really beautiful thing when, it, especially on that album, the way they wrote it and everything. That's one of my favorite bass listening albums altogether. But I mean, I think I still think Brian cook is one of the most versatile Ooh, textured no, knows where his part in the band is in terms of bass playing. Again, talking about like Nick Thineman from young widows, I, I think is still like, it's such a driving sound. Man, there was something else. Uh, uh, Anton Dang from Oh Brother. I mean, in terms of playing beautiful parts that lock with the drums, they're such a drum and bass driven band, even though there's so much going on with guitars and vocals. Anton does really awesome stuff and plays dirty bass. I, th I think that's the other thing for me is bass players that have a really good sense of where to grind and how to grind right and are allowed to push in the mix, but still know what their job is are really important things to me. I love that. And I'm definitely going to be listening to like clockwork <laughs> later on, but like you mentioned, Brian cook botch, 
these arms are snakes, Russian circles, Nick from Young Widows, just they kind of separate themselves and make themselves definitely unique in the mix, you know, and that's, I love it. The other thing I mentioned before about how I just, when we get in the car, I kind of just put the radio on a lot of time we spend listening to like, you know, pop and top 40 and stuff. There's so much to like about even things like Billie Eilish, like the bass lines that they put together on that new album are really like smart, tasty bass lines or, uh, even though a lot of it's like, you know, programming like synth and stuff, but, uh, like Dua Lipa, um, Oh man, don't even get me into that. That song physical. Oh, like that gets me going. I love that yeah, song. There, there's <laughs> and, <laughs> like Dua Lipa. So like a, a lot of like the production on that, it sounds like for me as a person who grew up in the eighties, it sounds like roller skater, like roller skater rink music. It, it's just good. It thumps in all the right ways. And, uh, or even like something like a super popular is like Bruno Mars, like all the bass stuff on there. It's very like, you know, thumpy churchy kind of stuff, but man, like there's so much to appreciate in that. And it's definitely styles that I don't play and don't want to play, but I love listening to it. I totally concur and feel you on that. And as far as other pedals that you use, I listen to, you on the guitar knobs podcast and i heard yeah. your four on the floor and yeah. you stated the moog freak box the sfx micro thumping ear perhaps your cattail because that's definitely a huge part of well your company and, and your sound as well and yeah. how the lm308 chip was a huge influence on that particular design but even the roland jet phaser yeah. is there anything you're dying to have or check out right now um See, it's hard because the band that I'm doing, we've completely stopped with, with COVID stuff and I don't know what we're doing moving forward. So like, I'm not playing and I'm not writing anything either. So I don't need anything. And that's definitely a bummer. It's good on the wallet, but I don't need anything. And if I needed things right now, uh, there's things that, that I really like, things that, that I that I would like to have. So Caroline's Somersault and Parabola, I think are, are two super, super cool pedals right now. I keep talking up the old Blood Noise Visitor, which I call Lurker. Uh, um, there's really, really, really cool inventive stuff right now that I love to get my hands on just to like screw around with. But there's nothing that I need. And that's kind of sad because for so many years, like, you know, you're... <laughs> Just hunting, hunting the next like the next sound, the <laughs> next gear thing. Even in the band that I'm playing in, like my job in the band is just to be low and heavy. So I don't really have even much need for the like that Moog Freak box, but I'll work it in here and there for like filtery stuff. But my job is just to like use the cattail to grind and use the heliotropic to like fuzz out and like just be heavy, you know. No, that makes total sense because I remember there was a time where I was just constantly buying pedals. And like you had said, it's it, when you're not buying, it's nice on the wallet. There's something called gas, you know, yeah. gear, gear, I think the A is acquisition, but gear yep. acquisition syndrome where just yep. this endless quest for tone. But I think it also depends on the type of band you're in. 
because there was one band where, I, you know, I didn't really need any sort of pedals at all. And that was the one that I was mainly playing in. So for years, I just plugged in. All I needed was my pitch black tuner. And, you know, sometimes I'd use some sort of like super fuzz pedal. It just kind of depended, but there's other applications. Like now I'm a band I'm currently in where I'm using the POG or a modified Ibanez 89 and your Tremor, uh, Tremor's low pedal. So it just kind of depends on the, the project that you're currently in, I think. Okay, so uh, talking super fuzz, just to like sidestep for a second, it just made me think of other bass players. Uh, Dana from Helmsley is another Ooh. super, super, super groovy, Great heavy, band. like maybe for me, like maybe the best band out there right now. But that's another thing. And then super fuzz made me think of it just because Ben uses that super fuzz on guitar and it's when that thing kicks in and it's just that no mids, all lows, all highs, like, <laughs> like it is, it is one of the best, best sounds, best uses of super fuzz that I, that I can ever put my hands on. Yeah. The one I have is a robot factory collab that was done with like somebody, like somebody on the talk base forum. I honestly forgot exactly, but it's like the tentacle love super fuzz. And I oh man. It, I remember that. And it has like, it has the clean blend on it. And that's what I love so much about it. I mean, I've played a variety of super fuzzes or as far as like clones, that one I like a lot. It's kind of funny because I think I need to dig into it and maybe see some sort of like soldering connection that's come off because sometimes it'll stop all of a sudden. I have to like start like kicking it and (laughs) for it to, to get back on. But I love that pedal, but you've helped create an MXR pedal, the MXR bass distortion. You've done collaborations with bands like Bong Ripper, Super Heaven, Daughters, and other companies like Dwarfcraft, where you did the Afterlife of Pitch. The Like we had recently mentioned right now, the Tone Mob collab um, with the second version of the Typhon that came out. Who is somebody else you'd like to work with? Man, uh, I'm looking at a collaboration right now that that we're working on. it's things top that, secret. that, yeah, top secret. That's that's something that I can't wait for people to see because it's another company that I, I really, really love. So I can't mention that. Philippe and I always goof around about doing something silly uh, for for Caroline and Fuzz Rocious. I, I think we'll get to that eventually. Brian from Small Sound and I, uh, Small Sound Big Sound, um, Ooh, another we great ha- pedal builder. We have not collaborated on anything, and we live. 25 minutes from each other. Um, I think it's we're, you know, we're, cause we're both busy and doing our things whatever. I'd like eventually to do something with Brian down the line. There's a lot of people that, that I just, I really respect and, and would love to work with. And to be honest, I would love to do something with MXR again. We talk about, or even like way huge. Um, we talk about doing stuff often, but you know, swollen pickle. Yeah. Swollen pickle is a wonderful pedal. And George, George trips is a very, very interesting, fun, smart dude i would love love to work with mxr or way huge like in any capacity again that's great to hear and as a fan of your pedal building and also all of the companies you've mentioned uh it's just super 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 cool to hear about these collaborations but what's the hardest pedal build you've ever done hmm. <laughs> um so I would say in, in terms of just general frustration and things like that, uh, <laughs> this we have the Octave John mod and then the Knob John. 
Both of those use the Spin FV1 platform. And just getting that off the ground, it took about a year of troubleshooting and stuff just to get it to the point where it is now. Uh, That's been very frustrating. But then in terms of like just design and building and putting it together, some things are just kind of a bear and you just just don't want to work on it anymore. Um, And it's kind of varying. I mean, I I stopped making the the tremors low. I stopped making dark driving. I stopped making Ram the man parts. Like there's things you just get bored with. Um, I'm trying to think of something that was like frustrating from the get go. Um, Cause there's definitely things I've abandoned. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to stick with the octave thing, man. Anything, anything (laughs) that's like, Oh, you know what? The delay anomalies delay. It's, <laughs> I, I, I took, I took the PT 2399, like the normal, like delay chip that everybody uses. It's a digital chip. It's kind of sounds dirty and analog. They're just, it's, it's a finicky, it's a finicky part. And when I made the delay, it's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be like screwed up. It's, it's not supposed to be a pristine delay. And like with, there's like a time, a time foot switch on it. So it like, warps your time about four times as slow or speeds it up about four times as fast. And everyone, not everyone, a, a majority of the people that got the pedal, whether they've got it used or they just bought it, they think it's broken. Even, even our dealers, <laughs> like they, they'll send it back and they're like, this pedal's making really weird sounds. And I get it. I'm like, congratulations, your pedal works. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing. Delay is, is typically supposed to be, a very useful, clean tool. And we made something that's like dirty and weird and and gross. And it's just not for everyone. So you know what? That's my most frustrating build from start. (laughs) Even designing it was, was difficult, you know? Okay. Well, enough of the frustration and that PTSD with anomalies. So enough, enough pedal talk. I'm breaking it up. It's time for some random questions. Yeah. Bring it on. Some are music related. Some are not. I've also hired a private investigator to follow you around New Jersey. Now, just kidding. I'm sure you're probably just indoors for, for the most part. But some I've created. Some are by your fans. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite fast food meal to get when you're in a rush? Ooh. All right. So I'm going to take out, you know, like the cheesesteak stuff. I'm going to take out, like, I'm just, we're just talking chains. We're on like the Doughboys kick here. We're just talking chains, <laughs> fast food chains. And I'm going to take Shake Shack out of that because I do I do really enjoy Shake Shack. I'm just going to go simple with McDonald's. McDonald's is wonderful for like, you know, I've been hanging out at a show. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm coming back over the bridge. I feel like it's been a good night. I don't want to cook anything when I get home. I'm just going to grab McDonald's and I know exactly how it's going to taste. And it tastes better at 1 a.m. <laughs> exactly. I'm kind of embarrassed to say how many double cheeseburgers I've had after like ending a gig at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Dude, it's a reward. <laughs> <laughs> so you're based out of Mount Laurel, New Jersey. For 35 seasons, the basketball team, the Nets were located in New Jersey until they located to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Do you have an all-time favorite Nets player? Do you maybe like the New Jersey Devils, or maybe you don't care about sports at all, but I have to ask. 
So I am 25 minutes from Philadelphia. So we are, if we associate with anybody, we have, we associate with Philadelphia teams. The New Jersey teams are like North Jersey is a whole different state to us. So uh, I don't follow sports anymore. But growing up, I really didn't care about the locals, um, except for maybe like for hockey for for Flyers. But I was uh, growing up, I was a SuperSonics fan. That was that was my my big my big team and Atlanta. Falcons. Oh, that's awesome! So this the Seattle SuperSonics. Yeah. Were you like a Sean Kemp fan, or you know? Major, um, major Gary Payton. <laughs> Sean Kemp was my dude. I wanted to slam like him when I grew up. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I've um, we could get super far into talking about basketball because I I love it. So I'm gonna have to stop it just right here. Otherwise, we'll okay. talk about basketball forever. But if you could only play one bass and one amp for the rest of your life, what would they be? Effects are free game, so that's fine. But just one bass and one amp. Okay, so I have I have my happy amp right here. It's a my Varelin Kalelock. It is a hybrid amp. It's uh, seven hundred in mono, fourteen hundred in stereo. Just big, clean. It's a it's a perfect pedal platform. Running that through some twelves and a fifteen is awesome. So for bass, I currently own two actual bases. I have a custom one I had made for me through Sandberg, and it has P and J pickups in it. It plays beautifully. It sounds wonderful. But I have a Fender Mexi P-Bass. I got it for $115. It is beat to living shit. The person I got it from, it doesn't know the story with it. It looks like someone took an ice pick to it. It is crazy. But <laughs> there is something. And my, my friend TJ, uh, TJ Schilling, he plays in a band called Carved Up. He also has a very special Mexi Fender p there's something about certain instruments that just sound better than instruments of the same. Like, you know, you pick out two Fender P's and they're both going to sound and feel different. Dude, you're talking my world. Yeah. Because my first bass that I got in 2004, I believe, it's a Midnight Wine Fender P bass. Like you said, completely beat to hell. At some point, I even um, had. Um, because it's only you know one P bass pickup, but at one point I acquired these uh, pickups, another set of P's, and then I had somebody route out the you know the area right next to the bridge, so I have yeah. two P's in there, Ooh. and um, it's like by a company called Velvet Hammer. I, I tried to you know read up on these pickups; they're mainly known for guitar pickups. So I've never seen really the P bass one, but that's a whole nother story. But that I've played a bunch of like Mexican P bass. I'm like, wow, this, this doesn't feel right. Or I don't really like this one, but mine. Oh man. I've played so many different bases, whether it's rippers, stingrays, other American jazz or P bases. But I always go back to this one base. I say like when I die, whether I'm cremated or whatever happens, just put the bass in there with, well, obviously <laughs> if I have a kid, I want them to have my base, but that base is like, like a part of me, <laughs> you know, well, it's, just- I'll never get rid of it. When you find that special instrument that just feels right, sounds right, it's, I've never once thought of selling it. So my Mexi Fender P is the one that, that I would not part with. Although the Sandberg, like it has on the 12th fret, I had an R put in. So it's like, I can't sell it like unless someone else has R, you know, as their last name or something. So 
Uh, yeah, that's. I'm very, very happy with what I have. And it, the whole talking about gas, like I just, I don't really gas about instruments, you know. Yeah, and the funniest thing of how we're talking about the Mexican P bass for people tuning in, it, they're not expensive. You know, I mean, obviously, no. if you buy like a brand new one. Um, I don't know, I'm guessing like 600 bucks or something. But if you buy a used one, you could easily probably get one for 300 bucks or something like that. And I always say if, you know, somebody was going to rip me off or take my gear, that's like one of those pieces where I'm like, just don't touch that bass. You know, you could take like other pedals or amps or other things, but that bass, like I need that bass to survive. So <laughs> it's cool yeah. that you mentioned a, a Mexican P bass. But, you know, on the topic of, you know, having that innate connection, with some piece of gear, if your soul was sucked out of your body and put into a pedal, either already existing or to maybe be perhaps later created, what would it be? Uh, I'm a super anxious, nervous, anxiety-ridden person at this point in my life, so it's got to be a flanger. <laughs> what? Which pedal was that you said? A flanger. Oh, a flanger. Oh, just because yeah. it's uh, wavering and, wavering <laughs> and shaky and and and, and <laughs> temperamental. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'd like to be like, oh yeah, like I'm a you know I'm a strong like big muff and like whatever. No, no, no. I am an absolute mess of a person these days in terms of where we are in this world. So uh, yeah, I'm a flanger. <laughs> okay, so I totally made up some hypothetical names for a hypothetical future line of fuzzrocious pedals three to be okay. exact you just have to say what type of pedal they would be go the hot jelly death trap uh it's a chorus <laughs> i was thinking like a like a pog style like octave or something like that I, no, I have no no idea. no no it's a chorus. It's a chorus. Think about the jelly, the jelly piece. It's just like it's it's mushy. It's wet. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's totally a chorus. Okay. What about the mutant syrup generator? Oh, that's the collaboration we did with Mutoid Man. It's a high gain, like almost like Model T sun distortion, but it's got a pitch effect in there that you can like operate <laughs> by a foot switch. I love this. Um, last one here. The little leprechaun. Oh, that's definitely what's a that's a green petal. Um, it's a green petal. Uh, hmm. That's the Ooh, only one I oh, couldn't think of. It, the previous one I was thinking like a sequence tremolo or ring mod, but the little leprechaun, I, I you know what? I couldn't think of it. <laughs> this is a petal that pairs really well with the going back to McDonald's. That's with the shamrock shake. <laughs> it's a lucky tone. Uh, it's a preamp. So when you when you plug into it. It just it sparkles your tone at the top in the right way, like the way like a clon like sparkles at the top. You know, there's not a lot of bass on it, but just what it does for you in that in that top end sparkle, it's really good. But it's it definitely uh, it pairs well with with the original the original recipe for the shamrock shake, not not the newer one that tastes like like uh like weird creme de menthe mix, mixed with uh, <laughs> like food coloring. That no, these are amazing. Feel free to use any of them. Maybe in a decade we'll do a collab, and you know we could do the little leprechaun. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that jelly pedal, man. That that, that chorus is. <laughs> um, what's the weirdest fan art you've ever done? Uh, On like a pedal, custo cu customer commissioned. Yeah. Uh, someone got a, a penis. It was like a it was a octopus. It was like some like. <laughs> It was like a squid octopus thing, but it was like all penises. 
Uh, that one was that one was was really weird. That and the vagina dentata. <laughs> so, like the for anyone that doesn't know, there's a movie called uh, called Teeth, and it's uh, a girl has she as she discovers her sexuality, she has teeth inside of her vagina, and she uses her vagina as a weapon to get back at people who are sexually uh, trying to touch her or whatever. We've done a, I think two of those. And that was definitely on the weird side. Got it. And who is the most elusive or well-known celebrity that's maybe wanted a pedal? Maybe like J-Lo or Justin Bieber or Slash. I don't know. Robert De Niro, Ryan Gosling. Anything like that where you've had maybe some sort of high-profile person? You definitely have some clientele that already use your pedals. But anything kind of weird like that? Uh, Bootsy Collins sent us an email. It was in... Like, no joke, size like 28 or like 30 font, hot pink, <laughs> hot pink, and it was in like, in the like italic, and it's like, hey, it's me, Bootsy, baby, uh, saw that broke dick uh, pedal, and I, I think you gotta get me a broke pussy pedal, and, you know, doing this whole thing, and, and, and there was a huge, a huge, like, you know, like, 1900, you know, by 1800, like, photo of him in the email, and I wrote him back, and he never wrote us back. That, that's that's one like that's hilarious. one of the weirder yeah that's like one of the weirder the weirder ones uh, but yeah no no like no movie stars or or anything like that that was was I was hoping we we always post our Ryan Gosling pedal that Shannon did and I know that like Ryan Gosling's into like hardcore and stuff and I'm like oh there's some way that he's probably seen this but I don't think Ryan Gosling needs a pedal although I wish he did because we could totally make him <laughs> a drive pedal. <laughs> Oh, I, I like that. I I love that movie. I really love how you said the the font size was like thirty and like it, hot pink. That dude, is no hilarious. <laughs> okay, um, I'm done with my questions. Here are some random fan questions. Yeah, let's go. Faro from El Paso, Texas, asks if you could make a custom pedal for any artist, who would it be, and why, and what type of pedal would it be? Ooh, is this like a dream? A, a, my dream commission for somebody. It could be Bootsy uh, Collins if you want. No, man. <laughs> uh, Bootsy, Bootsy gets enough free stuff. It's a great question because I, I think about this. I've definitely written to some people before to just be like, hey, if there's anything we can do for you. Um, I feel like Dave Grohl would really appreciate something. I mean, he seems like he's pretty high on life and like would just be appreciative. But I, I think like, I think Dave Grohl would, would just be an awesome person to like give a pedal to and have be like, yeah, man, I'm going to use this thing. And like, and the, and the dude would talk about it. What pedal would it be though? I mean, that, that jelly chorus would be rad. <laughs> we do. I'll tease it now. Like we, we've got something in, in the phaser field coming up and hopefully that'll be out by like Nam time in January. But uh, I think that would be an awesome Ooh, pedal. To I'm give excited to about that. Yeah. I don't want to get too into the specifics, so please stop me if you're going to be divulging too much information. Inspired a little bit by the Roland Jetface, since I know that's Abs- one of your favorite. Absolutely, pedals. it is not a clone of. It doesn't really take. It just takes some of the ideas of how the pedal works, but it's made with a completely different setup. Okay, I can't wait. Riley from Eugene, Oregon, asks, "Who are your favorite new bands?" slash artists and obviously in the covid age we're not seeing any sort of live music but is there any sort of like new bands or artists that you checked out you're like oh wow 
I really like this. Uh, so two bands that just came across our table in the last couple months, this band called Old Lung, they're like a super group. They're not like in like crazy big bands or whatever, but just like a group of dudes who like are all in other bands and they came together to do this thing and they get together every couple months to like write and record. Uh, they're in the vein of, you know, like the whole botch, you know, metal core kind of thing. And it Love doesn't it. sound thing. Uh, another band that just came across our radar called anoint the sick out of uh, long Island. So it's again, same kind of style, metallic, hardcore kind of stuff. And uh, the other one is resistor. And th- I think the coolest thing Minus it, like their all their tones are are just rad, but the singer, well, screamer, uses effects for his vocals, and he uses some of our our pedals that way. So, I think Resistor is kind of the, just the coolest one out of the three, just because not only are like guitar and bass using the pedals, but so is the singer. And those are all, all all just generally he- heavy bands if people are into that stuff. I'm definitely gonna have to check all of those out. Thanks for telling me about them, Taylor. Yeah of fragmenter electronics of edmonton alberta in canada asks are there any circuits or maybe just one in particular that were super hard to build a clean blend into um the i think i no uh no 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 every everything with a clean blend everything with a clean blend has worked out okay we use the and it's easily found on on the internet if you if you google buff and blend it's a simple little buffer that you can split the circuit and do stuff with that. That's what we use for our clean blend stuff mostly. And it just, it works easy on top of everything. The only downside is that it interrupts because it's a buffer. It doesn't really let the signal move. So if you're doing stuff with feedback, it definitely restricts the amount of feedback that you can coax out of a circuit. But other than that, no, there's been no, no real problem just because we use a really simple one. Good to know. Ham from I Love Fuzz asks, do you ever get burnt out making pedals? Sure. Yeah, yeah. The really nice thing about, I guess one of the positive things right now with COVID and stuff is that because everybody is just moving slower right now, I've definitely taken some days where I've just been like, I'm just going to like chill on the couch today or like we're just going to go to the beach today. Those are really good days to just like unplug and relax. Um with, I mentioned, yeah, and I mentioned earlier, like we had a major snag for the croak. That's like a, a huge burnout when things just don't go your way. They're out of your control. Yeah. The other part of this, though, is like when you get burnt on like making gray stashes or something, there's always something else to be done. So it's like, well, I don't feel like soldering right now, so I guess I'm just going to drill. Well, I don't feel like drilling right now, I guess I'm just going to work on, you know, the breadboard or whatever. So like my nervous energy also kind of keeps me motivated to keep moving forward because, you know, Shannon's a teacher full time, so she doesn't get paid in the summer. So I also have to push a little bit harder to make sure that like we are still producing and moving ahead and doing all this. So yeah, I mean, if someone says that they don't get burnt, I wonder where else in their life they're getting burnt because you can't just be go, go, go all the time without some kind of flop. No, definitely. And I mean, burnout is definitely real but this next question it's kind of funny because we already touched on on this effect um a little bit especially with how you you stated it you you would be how could i say this um reincarnated into a flanger but he 
Barsh from Texas asks, how do you feel about flangers? <laughs> I really hate flangers on, on stuff. I really do. It just, you know, and it's supposed to sound like a rubber band. I get it. But like, yeah, it's just kind of like, well, the flangers on. I do find it funny when people use it like on vocals, though. I think that's the only time I kind of enjoy it is when like it pops in for like a part where you hear a voice flange. <laughs> Good to know here. James from Las Cruces, New Mexico asks, can you do another run of the empty glass pedal? If the band wants to do more, then we'll, we'll do more. That last run was so overwhelming that, you know, we did 200 on that last run. It was awesome. And for those that don't know, that's the collaboration you did with daughters. Amazing yes. band. Yeah, um, Nick and I are, are working on something for the next album cycle. It'll be a bit different than, than Empty Glass, but uh, we have no plan to make more at this time. But if there was enough people that were like, please, 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 please make more, then like, of course we would make more. We just need to hear from people more than just a random like, hey, are you guys going to make more? Like, we, It's got to be overwhelming for, for the band to take notice. Makes sense. And I mean... The album, You Won't Get What You Want, that Daughters put out late 2018, that album, incredible, you know, especially, and you could hear that, that pedal that you built, you know, primarily on City Song, you know, yeah. the, the opening track. So if anybody's tuning in, definitely check out Daughters. And, you know, if you want to kind of get chaotic, listen to their, to their early stuff. But, you know, even yeah, the later yeah. stuff, I would say is kind of even has like some trip hop elements. I don't, and it's, it's unique. Um, I, I For really sure. love it. But um, this is the last random question. And it's going to be a pretty technical one. So I don't know much about it. So I won't be able to help you here. But MJ from Texas asks, have you ever used a FPGA to create effects? And if so, implement one in a pedal? What is an FPGA? <laughs> I have no idea, man. Field programmable gate arrays? I don't know. Is that like a specific thing for pedals? I have no idea. I have no idea. I have never heard those those four letters put together <laughs> in my life. Sorry, I, I I am a hack. I don't know. <laughs> No, 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 you're not. I mean, I think I tried Google, Googling it, and I, I honestly, I had no idea. I was just thinking about like acronyms, maybe like Foolish Penguin Game Analyst or Frankenstein's Pirate oh, Garage Asylum. Yeah, I've used both I, of those, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, that wraps up the random questions. To get back into business here, you were once an educator, specifically a kindergarten teacher. How did you fall into that line of work? So, uh, nerdy thing, uh, preschool teacher. Yeah, I, I, oh, my bad. I, not I dude, it's there. They are one grade apart. It is fine. When I did my student teaching, I did student teaching in a kindergarten classroom and, uh, 
Yeah, both, both were kindergarten classrooms. And I really enjoyed the age group. And what really hooked me was when I went to, I went on an interview at a daycare center, which was part of like the main Camden district. Uh, they, they do something called subcontracting. So basically there's so many students that are in the district, but can't attend the actual like in district schools. So they subcontract with, with daycare centers. So they're still part of the district and whatever. So I went on an interview there just to kind of get my feet wet with the interviewing process. And I liked the school. I liked the, uh, the administration. We had a great conversation. They had me go in and like see this, like the actual building and stuff. And the kids were all getting up from nap and they keep like one of the kids came over and gave me a hug. And I'm just like, Whoa, like this is weird. like you're, you're taught all through your education. Like don't touch children, you know, don't, don't hug children. Don't do anything like, this whole thing and like, oh, these kids like got right up. And then there was like someone's, there was one of the kids was like laying on a teacher's shoulder. And I'm just like, oh, like this is a whole different side of things. Like this is like a loving, you know, caring environment. And I was offered the job and I, I took it, you know, not knowing whether, whether I would stay as a preschool teacher or not, or it would just be a stepping stone. And I got in there and like, once I got the hang of being a teacher I really enjoyed it. And, and I, I loved working in Camden itself just because it's one town away from where I grew up and I was making a, a difference. I was exposing myself to, to something that's not, you know, middle-class, lower middle-class, like white, that whole thing. And uh, I was good at what I did and I, I enjoyed doing it to the point where when I was offered a, a job to to be a teacher mentor for the preschool program in Camden, I jumped at it. I, it's to help other teachers be better teachers was an absolute dream. And, and I, I don't, I've, I've subbed in, in some older grades, like third and fourth grade. I hated it. You know, the attitudes and everything else. It's kids who don't want to be in school. When you're in preschool, you, you don't know anything different than wake up, <laughs> you know, and go to school. And that's like what you do. Like you're someone else's parent for six, seven, eight hours a day while their parents are working or, or whatever. And, and it, it clicked really well for me. And then my wife went into, she also teaches preschool in, in Camden now. So, you know, she enjoys working with that age group too. It's, it's, uh, and now that our kids are older, that age group is super cute. You know, you, you get to, you get to hang out with three, four, <laughs> five year olds, and then you get to send them home <laughs> and then you get to deal with your older kids. It's, uh, it was a joy when I got to do it and then just pedals, pedals took over, you know, it was, it was, pedals are more enjoyable. It's a different challenge. Well, even, you know, talking about your experiences in the educational system, I'm glad you actually enjoyed it because, you know, I don't want to say that's like a rare experience to, to really enjoy. I know that there's a lot of hardships in the, in the educational system. I mean, even right now, obviously I'm not trying to make this political by any means, but even right now, the climate in that particular, you know, profession is in a very tough spot regarding coronavirus. I mean, I couldn't oh, even yeah. imagine being a parent, much less wonder, uh, you know, about leaving my kids at school with what's going on, or Dude, even just it, teaching. Put it this way: like, my wife is is like whatever, like six, seven years or whatever into like her tenure in the district. She's still low man on the totem pole, and with teachers possibly returning to the classroom right now we had to have a conversation of like if you say that you want to be a, if you want to teach remotely and they don't have enough students to make up 
like enough people don't enroll to those classrooms. Like your low male tone pull up, they end up closing classrooms and it's the difference of you being the teacher that chooses to be in the classroom and educate in person versus the one that's remote. They make the remote teachers out first, especially like you being lower on the totem pole in terms of years of, of service. Like there's a chance that like, she may have to go to the classroom to protect her job, which then exposes our family to something potentially deadly or life threatening or whatever. Like I'll get political. This sucks. Like, this client right now to be a teacher, she, she shared it. She shared a post the other day. It was like funny how all you people were talking about how all lives matter, but now you're saying that the lives of a few teachers don't matter. Like real funny that you're saying that, like, cause we are very firm believers in black lives matter and supporting people of color and you know, all, all that stuff, you know, it, it's, we're in a really touchy, 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 crappy situation for our world right now. And uh, it is a hard time to beat anybody right now. And for teachers and students alike right now, it is really rough. Because remote learning sucks. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a parent. I'm not a teacher. But, you know, I salute, you know, all the parents and teachers for all their hard work. And it's honestly very unfortunate to be put in that position so like being a parent and running fuzzrocious like how do you do it do you kind of segment the time out or i know i believe that like you know weekends try to make it for family time but how you know with the, the current climate of everything and having kids inside all the time like how do you do it you know you're probably giving me some life lessons for for later down the road <laughs> but, i mean i I still work even through all of this and in the summers and all that stuff. I, I typically work seven days a week. I mean, we work every night, you know, after the kids go to bed while we're like watching TV and stuff. So the, the job just never stops because it, when I don't work, when I do take those days off or I take a couple hours off to like play a video game or something, the work doesn't stop piling up. So that's a rough thing. But uh, luckily my, my wife and I, we balance the kids really, really well. And the parenting aspect is definitely on her a bit more just because she has less to paint right now. And I've just got way more work on the table. But, you know, we eat breakfast together, we eat lunch together, we eat dinner together. And that's, you know, even on, like, and on, the, on the weekends, like when they were in school, same deal. Like we eat all of those meals together. We take walks daily together. I just, I try, I, I try to get out and be with them as much as possible. And it's the best that we can do. But also we, we're, we also balance right now that the kids are older and they're becoming independent people. We are urging and pushing them to get out of our house and go play with their friends. And, and <laughs> our, we, we are major, we are like really, really, really crazy about social distancing and all that stuff. So luckily the, their friend group is also very good with that too. So like we, we can trust that they're out there and not touching and all that stuff, but we get them out of the house as much as possible. So it's hard to like, you know, you, you want to be able to like sit on the couch and like snuggle with your kids and all that stuff. But they're also at a point where they need to get away from us and become the people that they're going to be. So it's, it is a major, major balance, but also, you know, with us being home right now, we're gifted with having some extra time with them to like, watch a movie and, or, you know, go take a walk somewhere. Got it. Definitely. I would say maybe like a double edged sword to a certain degree. For sure. But, yeah. I, but, I, cause I need, I need, I require that quiet. I was, I'm an anxious person. All that stuff. I, 
I, it's helpful for me to have a quiet house during the day when I work. And I have, I haven't had that for six months. So I'm the same way. Um, my partner, my fiance is like, you're an extrovert. I mean, you've got a podcast, you play in bands, like, you know, you're always talking to people. It's like, um, well, I, I need that time to recharge. You know, like whenever I'm trying to focus on things or I'm reading, I like yeah. the quiet and I like the recharge. And maybe, you know, people that tune in that know me really well, maybe they're like, huh, like, I, I thought you were just purely an extrovert. It's like, no, no, I need I need that quiet. That's a, definitely a huge part of, you know, recharging for myself. But kind of going back to your to your profession of teaching, when did you know it was time to leave that to become a pedal builder full time? I mean, it was definitely like a shit or get off the pot situation because we were legitimately running Fuzzrocious full time. So you're talking 30, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week or more, plus, you know, a teaching job, both of us teaching. And you have to decide about like what makes you happier. So Shannon, Shannon left teaching first because the school that she was at, the client, like the, the climate where she was, it was toxic it was a toxic environment and she was not happy and we made a, a rule that we we were not going to quit our jobs until we saved up a full year's salary for one of us in savings for like what we would make before taxes and like okay once we have that then we know that if, if fuzzrocious like flops that we've got about a year to like Survive. float on that money yeah and like you know until we can find the next job emergency and, fund yeah, yeah, and and I know that it's from what I found out. I mean, it's, it's very rare that people could even do that. Like most of the people that we know in the neighborhood, like they they live outside their means. They're living on credit cards and stuff, and we won't do that. So, getting back to it, she she quit first, and for like seven months or so, uh, eight months, I continued to work and still do it full time, and then we were able to like, once we were making enough each month, you know, I had taken a mental leave from work. I was absolutely stressed, like not in a good place. And I took a three month leave from work and started meditation and just got my head straight and came back to work and announced that I was retiring. Yeah. I had to choose what, what made me happier. And luckily we were, able to, you know, we're, we're in a place, we, we have a home, we have a mortgage. It's not a cheap house. It's not a cheap mortgage. And we were able to make all that work. And what we ended up finding out was, you know, it, when you're paying over $2,000 a month for, you know, self health insurance and your dental insurance for a family of four, the kids were on like a, like the gold level insurance. So that's like, you're good. It's like you're 15 bucks to see a doctor you know, yeah. the kids are going to see more. We were on like the janky, like, you know, 50, 75. And so that means like when we got sick, Shan and I didn't go to the doctor. And that's so essentially like, you're paying insurance for something that you're not using. And that money really starts to pile up. And then that becomes a problem on those like slow months. And Shannon ended up actually missing teaching more than painting. And she went back to teaching. So like we're, we're at a, a really nice balanced place now where, she gets to go and she gets to like teach and, and be out there and be social and make a difference in people's lives. And then she can come home and like paint on the weekends and stuff. And I get to still 
make pedals and we're listen, the bills are paid. We're, we're doing, we're doing okay. I'd love us to be doing better, but I don't miss teaching right now. That's something I definitely don't miss. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that as far as like the healthy balancing of all things considered, you know, as far as family or careers and, you know, stress levels to a certain degree, because I was thinking like, wow, like full-time, essentially like having two full-time jobs. I mean, you're doing fuzz full-time, also working full-time and then being a parent, you know, obviously Shannon's helping you guys are splitting the duties, but that's a job as well. Not only to mention having to drive to get groceries or, or whatever, you know, I have no idea yeah. being the handyman around the house. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I think an important thing is you just even mentioned, even with like meditation or just a healthy balance is always super crucial, I think, to just living. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you're talking about just, just balance, I mean, that's at the core of everything that that's what everything is. Everything is balanced. And when things, when you don't feel right, something is out of balance. And, uh, I'm glad I found meditation. We just started our son on, on meditation, like for real, because he tried it before, but just didn't do it. We, we just, we just started him on, on a different kind of meditation thing. And like, it's awesome to see it actually working. It's if anybody is ever wants to ask questions about starting meditation or what to do, I'm, send me an email. I'll, I'll happily talk to you about it. I'm definitely going to, once we're done, you know, we wrap up our interview all. I'll be asking you a couple of questions there too, especially sure. like TM transcendental. I'd love to get to that. Or, but yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But as far as with fuzz Rocious, do you still remember your first commission pedal and what was it? I don't, <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you want to get like technically any, anything that anybody ordered in the beginning would have been commissioned because we were just building kits or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember that, that first custom job. I, I don't remember at all. It's so, it's, so far back, yeah. Well, you've built so many thousands. I don't know. Yes. I don't I, I, of pedals, so you know. I could only imagine. Yeah. Who was the first big artist that started using your pedals that you were just like, "What, man? I can't believe this is happening." Um, mm, minus the bear, we sent a bunch of pedals to minus the bear, and that was like the first thing that we tried. It's it's so embarrassing to think back on it now because we just didn't know I was coming at it from, from like from the fan aspect first and I was just so nervous and just didn't know how to act and, and how to, how to hold myself. And we were at that point just making kits. So it's like, it's nothing crazy. That was our first foray into that. And, uh, that really helped. But what, uh, when, when we finally got to the point where we connected with, with Troy Van Leeuwen from Queens of the Stone Age and failure and, all that, that was the first really big jump into learning how to like tamp down. Like these are like my here, my musical heroes, but we're also working together. And this, you know, and this band is also like pretty huge. And then you go from there to uh, like Joe from fallout boy. And we, we met through, uh, through when he was in damn things and well, it still is in damn things, but, uh, that a band like Fall Out Boy is at a completely different atmospheric level than anything else that that we had done at that point. So it's they're amazing learning things, and when you can finally call those people, 
you know, friends first before either clients or whatever. I think that's like a really special thing. It really connects you to that. Again, like that punk rock DIY piece of what Fuzzerocious is. No, I love that. And I mean, even just scanning your clientele, obviously big artists, Queens of Stone Age, Russian Circles, we had already talked about Brian Cook there, Deftones, Neurosis, Minus the Bear, you know, I mean, Thrice. So definitely a big list of of awesome bands, you know, and bigger bands for sure. And more importantly, awesome people. Like the people that we we get to work with is just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I mean, it just makes that connection even even more special. But what's been the most popular Fuzzrocious pedal to date, you'd say? Uh, I'm going to pull up our list. Um, so it you've looks like... You've got the demon, like, gray staff, yeah, cattail. The, you've got so the, many. The, the, de- the demon, the demon, the the cattail, and the gray stash are the three, you know, longest pedals in our in our line, and the three top sellers. Um, and those are all like clone improvements and stuff. I would love to be able to say like, oh, like it's our moth pedal, like something that's like a more original thing. But at the end of the day, those are the things that we make in the longest, and they've sold the most, and they're all pretty much neck and neck. They're all like you know, thirty five to like fifty units away from from one another in terms of their numbers but yeah there's and there's there's nothing else in our line that really comes close to those numbers which is interesting from from a static you know statistics point got it and as a small business owner that's involved in doing something that you truly love what have you found to be the hardest challenge while running fuzzrocious um, managing anxiety and stress, you know, I, I, I mentioned before that like I, I thrive on that nervous energy and, and the stress or whatever. It's an excellent motivator, but it has other, it has more negative, like lasting effects. I mean, it, it bleeds off into how I, how I, yeah, it bleeds off into how I treat my family. It bleeds off into what I think about myself. It bleeds off into where my mind goes when it goes to, to, you know, negative places and, worry and things like that it's going from having parents that you know both worked and both had jobs where you get paid on you know the 15th and 30th every month and that's how it works and then i go and i start teaching and you get paid on the 15th and 30th every month to go to you know when when you're paying yourself and yes i pay myself on the 15th and 30th every month but that doesn't mean that the money is coming in consistently so there's months where like you may make nothing or next to nothing or net be negative and there's other months where you you know you make two or three times what you normally make in a month you know at the end it all evens out hopefully but that stress eats away and uh no amount of medication or meditation is going to fix that for me the stress and anxiety is also just part of part of my of who i am you know at a chemical and human level well I just want to say, obviously, I've never shared a meal with you or met you in person, but you are an absolute badass. You've always been a a wealth of knowledge whenever I've reached out. Super cool guy to deal with. And I mean, hey, you're on this show and I got to thank you for that. So if I'm ever in New Jersey, the beer's on me. If you drink a beer or, you know, a sandwich or or coffee or anything, if you're out over here in Phoenix, let me know. (laughs) Thanks, dude. But um, what's 
one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you started the company? Better branding in terms of the way the pedals look. Interesting. Uh, so if you look at somebody who came out like after we've come out, if you look at, say, Old Blood Noise or even Walrus, all of those pedals, and, and yes, Shannon's are all, it all kind of, it all looks like it was made by the same person. But when you look at something like Old Blood Noise or Walrus, it is a very specific art style and they all look like they belong in the same line. Or you look at Chase Bliss. It all looks like it's in the same line. You look at even someone in like in the even more boutique piece of it, like Fuzzlord. Uh, everything looks very similar. So it all looks like it came from the same thing. I might have kind of like reeled myself in to maybe think a bit more smartly about the aesthetic piece of the way the pedals all look. But now I look at it and I can say, well, I'm just going to embrace the fact that like we change our knob colors, we change our enclosure colors, you know, the art can be different colors on these things. And that's just part of the fun of getting something from Prosorosis is from run to run, the colors might just be different. Or if the you're going to order direct with us, you get to customize the colors that you want and make it yours. So it can, I can like you look at it from a positive piece, but I think looking back, I think I would have told myself to change the aesthetics to be more uniform. Yeah, that's interesting um, because, you know, the pedals that I have from you, I honestly think that, you know, immediately I'm able to spot like, hey, that's that's a fuzzrocious pedal. So I think you as a business owner, you're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, I definitely, you know, focus on the branding, but even how it says fuzzrocious where, you know, the jacks are back there. Yeah. I love that. You know, that's definitely... Uh, definitely unique um as far as you know especially if you see somebody's pedal board or something you could immediately see that and even when i was starting this podcast i'm obviously going to have a portrait of you done but i was like what can i do here like i i don't want to sound all businessman like or something because i'm just doing the podcast for fun and for people to enjoy and who knows what it'll evolve into if anything i'm just trying to connect and have these interesting conversations with people that I respect, enjoy, and just these creators, regardless of of the medium. But I was like, hmm, kind of. It's kind of similar on your path, where I obviously I'm in music, I'm doing podcasting, but I can't draw to save my life. So my partner, <laughs> she's a great artist. So it's like, okay, and she was like, why don't I help you out with that? I'm like okay, we're kind of going somewhere here with that because if I didn't have this, it would just be a, a podcast without the actual, like the branding image or anything like that. Yeah. So it's a, when you go and you look at your Instagram, the aesthetic is there. It's, it's really cool. I, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, if, if you guys check out uh, one of the people we collaborate with is uh, uncle Ron's candle company. And he works with uh, an artist named uh, Bruno. I, I don't know if it's pronounced Obsky or Obsky, but, uh, a very like very kismet with with your art style and it's uh I, I like that like like the line drawing detailed but simplistic the art aesthetic to it i think it's very 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 cool i appreciate that thank you so much and obviously be telling my partner that and she's gonna be super stoked but back to to fuzz Rocious here i obviously don't want to uncover 
any future fuzzrocious unveilings or upcoming products? I know we kind of talked about the phaser for NAM and who knows, I don't even know social (laughs) events are even going to be happening, but you know, fuzzrocious fans can expect another new pedal in 2020. Um, I know the croaks come out, which is like I mentioned, expressive double filter fuzz. I've seen some demos, sounds awesome, super gurgly and unique. And you've got this phasers. Now I just sound like I'm prying here, but do you have other things on on the mend? I know you, you've talked about collabs and things of that sort. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much just saying, hey, all ears are on you. What's going on? What can we potentially expect in this, you know, negative world? Sure. So we are doing, we are bringing back uh, 420 fuzz. That was something we did with Reverb. We made 420 units, uh, 42 over 10 months, and it's a dual fuzz. Uh, both are like gated in different ways. It was really, really successful. Um, and we wanted to bring it back to make sure that our dealers could all get like a piece of 420 fuzz. So we took the best mods of it and we're putting it into one pedal. I'm really stoked to, to show everybody what the evolution of this is going to be and go on like the full run of this. I know that at some point I'm bringing back a dark driving V2 Ooh, in, a different, in a different way. That's exciting. And Something I'm, I'm working on right now is it's it's a companion to the demon pedal, but it's uh it's taking it in a different direction, and it's uh you know part part of the thing is the demon it has a demon on it. It's not a, it's not a churchable pedal. I don't particularly like that. You know we're not like a you know f god you know uh you know evil this evil that we're not that kind of company, but. I like to be inclusive of everybody and for such an awesome sounding pedal like the demon, it really, it, it definitely irks me that people who, who play like in, in worship or praise kind of, kind of scenarios are missing out on such an awesome pedal. So we're, we're going to do a pedal called Lil Fella and it's going to have some really uh, fun art on it and it does lower gain than the demon. It does higher gain than the demon and it's in a smaller enclosure. It, it's there's there's so much to love about this pedal, and um, it's something that's going to be coming out maybe by Black Friday if if we're lucky. And the last thing is in August we'll be dropping our annual Sakata Fuzz, and we make seventeen of those a year. It is just sold direct, and it's an evolution of a pedal that we've done. It's a a fuzz tremolo, and each year we've added different components and. Uh, We've got the, this V6 coming out this year and or this uh, this August, and I'm really excited for everyone to see what we've done with it this year. And uh, there's there's other little stuff sprinkled in here and there, but that's uh, that's the main push. So next up, Cicada Fuzz, then 420 Fuzz, and maybe a little Fella, and then we'll see Dark Driving hopefully, and maybe that Fuzz Phaser if we can get it together. That all sounds so exciting. And I mean, you yeah. forgot one. You forgot the hot jelly death trap. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably 2021, you know. Need some time. <laughs> Need some time to get that together. Well, Ryan, we spoke about so many different things, pedals, life, and so much more. But I really just want to say thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I, I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks, Ryan. And to everybody listening out there, thank you for tuning in. Well, there's my conversation with Ryan. We obviously talked about pedals. That's a no-brainer there. 
but we talked about so many other topics as well. One of my favorite parts of our chat was talking about balancing stress and anxiety. I'm no stranger to that, and trying to find the right solution is definitely a hard task. Just trying to find that balance, whether it's balance between work and family, or general life, or whatever it may be that's creating chaos and disruption in your life. The world is in a unique and difficult place right now, and whether it's meditation, or watching a TV show, or maybe even listening to a podcast episode like this, I hope you could get in your happy place and kind of take a break from it all. The music provided is by Caval, which is one of Ryan's bands, so go check them out. As always, thanks for tuning in. You could go to interviewswithchris.com for any previous material or go on any major platform where you could hear a podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then subscribe and give some positive feedback. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll see you next time.